want to say uh, good morning to everyone and say uh, again, it's a privilege to be here. Um, uh, yeah, I guess I'm going to share my own little COVID story. Once I heard that Tim and Heather had COVID, uh, and I never got to share this with him. So this is as much for, uh, for Tim and Heather as anyone. Uh, Debbie and I, we, we managed to miss the whole COVID thing, even though she works in the hospital, right until the uh, last week of March. I just finished at the skating rink where I was a caretaker, and, uh, and then I got it. And, uh, and when I got it, I, I started getting pretty sick. And, and this is actually kind of funny because Debbie was kind of going, you know, I want to get this over with it, and, and I want to get this finally. And so I got, guys, I got more smooches in that next... Uh, two days uh, than I'd gotten in a long time, and it worked. <laughs> but, but Debbie got pretty sick, and about her fourth day into COVID, she's saying to me, she's saying, you know, dear, I wish I'd just locked you out of the house for a week until you were better and, uh, and got over it. But we both got over it. it, it was, uh, we were sick for about a week, and, uh, and then we were, we were good. So uh, good to be here, and i got to share another story because uh, about Alvin, it just came to mind as I was, uh, I, I was here, is uh, I got to work together with Alvin on uh, mountain bike camp years ago. And, and I remember this story because we're, we're in Riding Mountain National Park and, and there's bears in the park. We, we never ever had any problem with the bears. But there was one morning, uh, Alvin and I were sleeping in the same tent and, uh, and the horses kind of getting a little fussy outside. And, and I knew what Alvin expected. He, he, he was suspecting bears. And so it, the sleeping bag comes flying open. He is out of the, the tent just in a blaze, in his boxers. And as he runs past the tent, he grabs this metal pole. And he's out there, and I'm thinking, cool, metal pole, bear. <laughs> Don't know if he had thought that one through before he made the charge. But uh, I, I, was, I just thought that was so neat. And it came to mind as... Uh, as, as Alvin was leading singing here. So, a uh, privilege to be here. And, and some of you, uh, I don't know if I've ever met you, so just a little introduction. Uh, I was a pastor in Gladstone for uh, many years, more than 30 years, and uh, Debbie and I stepped down in January 2021. And so now I am what I call a repurposed pastor and uh, the neat thing is my wife actually retired from being a lab technologist on May 6th. So we're kind of figuring out what life looks like. And, and for the summer, I'm working at the golf course. If you guys play golf and you come through Gladstone, we have got a really nice nine-hole golf course. And be, uh, you have to remind me where you're from, and uh, we'll gladly make you feel at home and have you, help you have a good game of golf. Um, Yes, I want to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Corinthians, chapter 12. And uh, just before I start, let's, uh, let's bow for a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the privilege to be here this morning. And uh, I thank you for this church family. And I thank you for Tim and Heather and I, too, just want to pray, as, as Ken did, for your, your grace and your healing and your encouragement for them and their family, Lord. Uh, just be with them. And, Lord, this morning, just uh, bless your word to everyone here. I ask your blessing as well for the kids and the teachers in Sunday school. 
uh, let your word just bear fruit in their hearts as I pray it does for each of us here this morning. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> well, I'd like to start with a, a couple of questions, and, and uh, they actually have very little bearing to my message, other than I'd like them to just introduce a thought. Uh, a couple of Old Testament questions uh, that involve uh, a couple of Old Testament characters. You guys all remember the story of Saul, uh, God choosing him to be Israel's first king. And, and my, my question is, what quality about Saul made him unique from all the people of Israel? Anybody know? It was actually a physical quality. His height. Uh, the Bible says he stood head and shoulders taller than any, anyone else. He just kind of stood out in the crowd. You know, that was uh, an interesting quality for a leader, something that the people would admire, strength and that purpose. Uh, another story, and this goes to, uh, I'll call it the next generation of, of a king, and that was to be David. And, and so a little while later, uh, Samuel is sent by God to the home of Jesse to anoint a new king. And so as the process begins, um, Jesse brings his sons past uh, uh, Samuel. And the first son that comes by is Eliab. And do you remember uh, the response of Samuel when he sees Eliab? And, you know, his response is, surely the Lord's anointed is here. This, this has got to be the one. And, and what do you think was the quality that, that Samuel was looking at? Samuel was looking at this, this guy, this confident guy, uh, probably a, a good, solid, uh, muscular young man, uh, an awesome leader. And, and you look at that, and you know, 2,000 years or 3,000 years later, things have not changed much. We still admire that quality uh, in, in people. You know, I got back into hockey this winter. Uh, watching hockey at the skating rink where I, I uh, work. And, and uh, our intermediate team has a couple of players who have played some really good hockey. The one fellow actually had a, uh, he played one game with the Calgary Flames uh, a few years ago. So really good. And you admire the skill and the ability of, of these guys as, as they're playing hockey. And, 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 and we look at those things and, and we admire, we admire strength, and confidence in people. And we want to be like that ourselves. You know, that's, that's the reality of it. But, but I've got a couple of questions I want to start my message with. And, and these are think about questions that we won't really answer, explore. We'll just come back to them a little bit later. My first question is this, is weakness ever a good thing? Is weakness ever a good thing? Is feeling weak, and I'll add the word inadequate, ever a good place to be? And here's something else just to throw out for us to think about. Shouldn't we as Christians always feel strong and confident and sure of ourselves? You know, I'll just leave those questions for you to, to think about. Because this morning, we're going to look at a scripture text that I think has just a, a super important word of encouragement for each of us, where Paul talks about, Paul talks about being content with weakness. He even talks about boasting about his weakness. So let, let's just go straight into our text to verse 1. 
And, and notice here how, how Paul begins. He says, I must go on boasting, although there is nothing to be gained. I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. And I'm going to stop there for now. So a question, what's this all about? What, what's Paul talking about when it comes to the subject uh, of boasting? You know, to help you understand the chapter that we're going to look at, these 10 verses, let me just take a couple of minutes to introduce what I'll call some, some really important background details. In the church of Corinth, the church that Paul had helped to establish, his apostleship and ministry had come underneath attack. They'd come under attack. And, and it seems like Paul had opponents who were doing everything they could to discredit his apostleship and his character and, and even his, his ministry, his teaching. And their efforts to discredit Paul were, were serious enough that Paul needed to defend his ministry. And that's what he does. He, he actually starts in chapter 10, and he does it all the way through to the end of chapter 12. And Paul talks about himself, and he didn't want to do it. That's the best way to pull it. He, he calls it foolishness, you know, uh, that he has to do this. And he actually asks the people to bear with him. Paul refers to it as boasting. Uh, and and it's, it's because he's talking about himself, which is what he didn't want to do. You, you know, question, how, how could anyone ever discredit the Apostle Paul and his apostleship? You, you know, I'll share just one way. This is really interesting, that they were attacking Paul. It's actually in chapter 10, verse 10. And uh, this is Paul, in a sense, repeating his, uh, his opponents, his, their message. And, and this is what they were saying about him. His letters are weighty and strong, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech is of no account. So in other words, they're saying, yes, this guy writes big, powerful letters, big, powerful letters, but he's a wimp. He's a wimp. When he's there with us, you know, I have no idea what Paul looked like, but I'm going to assume there was some truth to what they were saying or they wouldn't have said it. So maybe he didn't have a lot of stature. Maybe he was kind of more of an unassuming guy. And maybe he also wasn't a very good speaker. You know, Paul was a man of incredible knowledge, but maybe his, his primary gift wasn't, wasn't in the preaching that he did. So in, in chapters 10 to 12, Paul defends his ministry. And in chapter 12, he does it by sharing a, a very special revelation he received from the Lord. Now, let's look at this revelation. I'm kind of putting Paul's words into, or my words into his, is, is where Paul begins, he says, you know, I don't want to boast, but I have to. So let me share what, what God has revealed to me. And as Paul goes on, you'll notice he's speaking in the third person. And, and I think he's doing that just to try to be a little bit humble in, in all this. He's talking about himself, but he's talking in the third person. And Paul tells us what happens. He says, this, this, what I'm going to share with you happened 14 years ago, earlier in his Christian life. And Paul says he was caught up to the third heaven. Uh, and, and a lot of people will go, well, what is the third heaven? Uh, a couple of commentators that I, uh, I use shared this, that in, in Paul's day, people considered the, the sky above them, where the birds flew and everything, that was the first heaven. And then they looked at the moon and the stars and on all of that above that as that was the second heaven. And then they saw the place where God dwells. That's the third heaven. And so here what Paul is saying 
is, is he was caught up to heaven. In, in verse 3, he refers to it as paradise. And, and he shares what he couldn't tell uh, for certain. He says, I, I can't tell you if I went there physically in my body or if it was in my spirit. And he repeats that thought twice. But then he goes on and he says, there in heaven, he says, I heard things that I cannot share or tell. You know, things that, are, that, that can't be repeated or shared. And, and I go, wow. God has given Paul some kind of vision here of things that were too incredible to share. And, and I wonder, I wonder to myself if Paul had this revelation in mind when he wrote this. He wrote this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. He says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. You know, I wonder if Paul hadn't, didn't have a little bit of that revelation in mind when he wrote that. Now, question. Why would God reveal things to Paul that Paul could never share? Why would Paul, why would he receive a vision like this if he could never share it? And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share this thought because I actually spoke on Paul's life at a youth retreat last weekend. And uh, we, we highlighted one of the things that God said to Ananias when, when Ananias was being sent to Paul or to Saul was, uh, you know, I'm going to reveal to him all he must suffer. And, and Paul did suffer. You, you know, God used him to do some incredible, awesome, wonderful things. But his course of ministry in his life was a hard course of ministry. And, and I'm wondering if, and, and this is just my speculation, if, if here earlier in his ministry, God doesn't give him this special vision just to encourage him, just to give him something else to hold to and encourage him as he served the Lord. Well, this incredible revelation that Paul received, uh, Paul just, just acknowledges how special it was. But with the revelation came something else. Now, look at verse 7. Look at what verse 7 says. So to keep me from being conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being conceited. Wow. That, that is a loaded verse. So Paul received this incredible revelation, but to help him keep from being proud and conceited, God also allowed something very difficult to come into his life. God allowed a messenger of Satan to afflict him, and, and Paul refers to it as a, a thorn in the flesh. You know, uh, Christian scholars over the centuries have speculated as to what that affliction was. Uh, Tertullian was a, a, a scholar who lived between 155 AD and, and 220 AD, and I, I, I highlight him just because he was so close to that time of Paul. And, and Tertullian wrote, he says, Paul, that Paul would get severe headache, headaches. Uh, we, we might call them migraines. That would literally incapacitate him. That, that's what Tertullian suggested was the result of Paul's thorn in the flesh. Uh, others have suggested it was bouts of anxiety or depression or speech impediment or very poor eyesight. And, and we could speculate all day as to what it was, but what's really important is that we catch this that this was no minor affliction. Notice the force of verse 8. 
this, this is such a key verse. Notice the force of it. Paul says, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. Not once, not once. This is Paul. This is how severe this was. He says three times. And notice the words I pleaded, like this is strong. I can imagine Paul on his knees praying, Lord, take this away. Take this away, please. This was no minor affliction. And another clue to the seriousness of this thorn is it made him weak. In verses 9 and 10, that word weakness is used three times. Three times it's used here in, in these verses. So, okay, Lord, why give him the vision, uh, this special vision that he couldn't share about anyways, if it meant he had to get this thorn? You know, my thought is, if I had a choice about it, I'd say, okay, Lord, skip the vision, skip the thorn. I think that sounds like a, a good compromise. I'll just go with, with neither. And I'm going to suggest the answer to the why is the value of the lesson in verse 9. You know, just look at this in, in your own Bible and, and, and read it there with me. Verse 9, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul says, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. You know, I'm going to suggest that the answer to that question, the question why, is the value of that lesson. See, everything that Paul would do in ministry was not because of his great wisdom. And Paul had knowledge. Paul had knowledge. You know, he writes about it, that he got to be trained by one of the best Bible scholars of his own day. And that amongst his peers, he absolutely excelled. He was a, an A-plus student all the way. Zeal, he had tons of zeal. He even persecuted the church before he came to the place of believing in Jesus. But all he would do would not be because of his knowledge. It had nothing to do with his great abilities or his zeal. It would be because of God's power. And weakness in his life would keep him trusting in that. And God's encouragement to Paul was not, I'll take away your weakness. God's encouragement was, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you in your weakness. Your weakness is staying. And so what did Paul do? Paul here, this, this is just, it's so humbling. He accepts his weakness as the place where the power of God could be most real and effective in his life. And then he goes on to say in, in verse 10, you know, for the sake of Christ, then I am content. That is a powerful word. Then I am content with weakness. And then he adds not just weakness, but insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities, all those things that made ministry hard, that tested him, that were a part of it all. I'm content with these things, because when I am weak, then I am strong. You know, I want to hear this. This comes a little bit from some of my own study, reading biographies, listening to testimonies, and, and many things. And I've heard this common theme that I'll, I'll put in these words, that many 
of God's servants have done their most faithful and effective ministry out of a place of weakness and for some a place of great difficulty. What you can't always see, but what was so real was that that weakness brought them to depend completely on God's power and his grace. To trust and abide in Jesus. That was the key for each one for fruitfulness in ministry. Well, let's make some application. God allowed difficulty and weakness into Paul's life. And God let it stay. God did it so that Paul would trust more fully in God's grace and power. And the result would be that God's power would be more real and more effective than ever in Paul's life. And again, I want to highlight, because I want us to really see this, do you notice Paul's attitude toward his weakness? You know, highlight these words again, content. He's content, and he will boast about his weakness. Now, there was, there was something unique about Paul's situation. God had given him this incredible revelation, and God also gave him this thorn in the flesh, literally a messenger of Satan. I, I think sometimes as Christians, I, I hear Christians use this phrase, that's my thorn in the flesh. And I, I think what Paul experienced was, was a little bit unique for his situation. And that what we're not experiencing is exactly the same thing. But the lesson here in this text from Paul's life is very relevant for each of us. You know, I think, and I'm going to ask this as a question, wouldn't all of us like to feel strong and confident and capable in our spiritual life all the time? Wouldn't we? But do we? Maybe I'm only speaking to myself here. Do we? I know I, I don't. And, and let me share from my life a little bit here. Uh, I was called to the ministry uh, by my home church in 1983. That's uh, 40 years ago this year. And uh, I, I look at the, this question, why in the world did they ever choose this 23-year-old young guy to be a pastor? Because leadership ability was not what I had, neither was it speaking skills. Uh, I, I, I was a nobody. That, that's the words that I used to describe myself. I was a nobody. What I had at that point was a heart that wanted to know Jesus. That's the only thing I could say that made me special. The fact that I was chosen to me, that was all God's doing. That was his doing. But I said yes. When the church called me to ministry, I, I said yes. And the years of ministry that followed were full of blessings. I, I want to highlight that because I'm not going to talk about that very much. But they were full of blessings. And I, I can't imagine in my life, if I look back at the last years, would I have done something different? Not by choice. I, I am thankful for the privilege God gave me. But at times, many times, 
It was very hard. There, there were lots of things about ministry that were just plain and simple hard. For example, preparing messages. Uh, I, I have a, a good friend, and, and we kind of started ministry together, and, and message preparation was such a, a, a natural thing for him so that the Monday at the start of the week, he had his message ready for the following Sunday. And I couldn't identify at all. <laughs> it was just hard work. It was just hard work. And, and I can't count the numbers of nights I've lost sleep preparing messages. You know, I look at all the things that were included in ministry. Did I feel inadequate at times? I'm going to say most of the time I felt inadequate. At times, absolutely overwhelmed. There were times when the stress of the work of ministry made me sick. You know, in 1993, I actually stepped down from ministry. And when I stepped down, I didn't say it to people, but I had no intention of ever coming back at that time. I was done. I was just plain and simple done. I thought I couldn't do it. That was it. You know, uh, there was times the stress made me sick, and, and I struggled with that. I really struggled. All I thought to myself, because I'm only like 33 years old at this point, I thought, well, all I need to do is pray more. My thought was, this shouldn't be happening to me. Us pastors, we got it together all the time. We got to be strong. That, that's the image we have to present. We have the answers to everyone's spiritual problems. You know, I, I even had an instance one time where one of the elders in our church who, who didn't understand what was going on in my life, and he said, don't you just feel strong and joyful all the time? The answer was no, I didn't. Most of the time at that point, I wasn't feeling strong or joyful. You know, in my head, I understood my strength was in the Lord. But I wanted to feel that strength. You know, as I said at the start message, you know, we admire that quality. People who are confident and strong all the time. I wanted to feel that strength. But you know what? I'm still learning that God's strength is most realized in our weakness. God's strength is most realized in our weakness. And I'm still learning that when I can't change something and I've prayed about it, I, I'm learning to be content with that situation and trust God and his strength in it. That's what I'm learning to do. Can we change? This is my question for all of us. Can we change how we look at our difficulties? I still don't enjoy difficulties. But can we change how we look at them? Because sometimes the feeling that Christians will have is, you know, is God failing us? Is it maybe that Christianity doesn't work? That sometimes is the feeling that's there. You know, my encouragement is God has not failed us. You know, I, I need Paul's words here. It's not that Christianity doesn't work. But the reality is, is if I can't change something, and if I prayed about it, now I need to just trust God and his adequacy. And I need to learn to do what Paul says here. 
most gladly, therefore, I'll boast in my weakness. Because when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Then I'm strong. You know, I, I think there's just such a relevant word of encouragement in this passage of Scripture for each of us. In your life, how do you look at the times of weakness that come for you? Do you see where they can become that place where God can work in your life to his honor and glory? You know, I looked at these verses today and I thought I wanted to leave a word of encouragement for each of you. And that is to take verse 9 and 10 and commit them to memory. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest in me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. May the Lord just bless his word to your heart and to my heart this morning. And may he give us a heart just to trust him with each and everything, to trust his power in the circumstances that he walks us through in our lives. Amen.